Well, welcome back to the When I Heard This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Pastor Joseph Tillman, MDiv, soon to be demon. How are you doing today, sir? Man, I'm just doing good. That's it? I'm doing real good. What do you want, what do you want from me? More than that? You're going to keep going up? Um, I'm very, I'm fantastic. Okay. I am splendid. Is that going up or down? Make sure you go to Patreon, $5. Like. Comment, subscribe, share, download, and tell your friends about the show. Um, today, we are talking about Hyper Grace, which is, as my research led me to understand, uh-huh. the opposite of legalism. Yes, that's correct. So, meaning, I don't understand this at all, and I had to do a bunch of research <laughs> okay. to figure out just what it was. And then I was like, why am I doing research? I can ask Joseph. <laughs> so I wrote down some questions, and here we go. All righty. What is hypergrace, and where did that term come from? So hypergrace has been a label that has been given to certain quote-unquote grace preachers. Okay. Okay. So in other words, that's what they would refer to themselves as. Hypergracers? They, they would say they are grace preachers. Okay. So individuals like Joseph Prince, Andrew Womack, uh, Paul Ellis, they would label themselves as grace preachers. Okay. So there's been another group that has said, no, you're not just grace preachers, you're hyper grace. And what they, they obviously mean that in a kind of a derogatory term. Okay. So okay. Joseph Prince, Andrew Womack, Paul Ellis, those who consider themselves grace preachers, all right, they would say that they're that what is being accused of them of being hyper grace is really that their message is just a message of grace, okay, just grace alone, and that it's so it's abundant grace, it's grace upon grace, it's grace without works, it's grace without law, and they would they would kind of sum it up really as. Jesus is grace. Okay. So therefore, we're just preaching Jesus. So what is grace then? Yeah. What are we defining Finding, grace as? And I think that becomes some of the sticking point. Okay. Um, because individuals, for example, Dr. Michael Brown wrote a whole book. Mm-hmm. Basically. Saw him in my research. Okay. Yeah. Basically calling out these quote unquote hyper grace preachers. Okay. All right. And so Brown was saying that he believes their message is just like a, um, a kind of quote unquote sloppy message of grace. Um, it leads people to feeling like they're free to sin however they wish because they're already forgiven and that nothing can affect their relationship with God. All right. So going back to your question. Nothing they can do can affect their can relationship with God, not of, outside forces. Correct. Okay. Yeah, nothing. So they, I can't ruin it. That's what they're saying. Correct. These hyper grace teachers. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And that's what, and, and, and they are saying that and, and Brown is saying it's problematic that they're saying it. Okay. Cause I can ruin it. Let's get into that in a little bit. All right. All right. But so your question first was there or that you asked was what is grace? Yeah. So in other words, we're going to talk about hyper grace or these grace preachers yep. are saying we're grace preachers. What do they mean by that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where the disconnect comes a little bit. Um, so traditionally, grace has been understood to be a gift that we are given by God that we did not earn. 
Okay. okay. Like favor from God that's unearned. Okay. Okay. Love from God that's unearned. Okay. That's grace. And, but then also there's a second kind of component to this grace that grace is not just receiving a gift that's unearned. Grace is also the empowerment, empowering to live out that which God has called us to live out to. So grace, for example, grace empowers us to be able to say yes to him okay. and follow him. Grace empowers us to be able to follow Jesus in the, in the way that he would ask for us for, to follow him. Okay. Um, so that's kind of my traditional understanding of grace. Grace preachers would say you're that I was right in the in the first definition that grace is given to those which and, and it's not earned you can't you know it's unmerited um because we do bad things that's why right like right none of us deserve grace in other words okay and i think everyone most most christians would agree to that like we don't deserve it okay we do receive it Okay. And then, but then they want to say that this is kind of where the disconnect becomes where I, for example, and maybe individuals like Dr. Michael Brown would say grace is an attribute of God. Okay. Okay. It's an attribute of Jesus. They would say, no, grace is Jesus. Or right. Jesus is grace. Same way you kind of heard it before, like Jesus is love. So if I were to, keep going with that since jesus is in my heart mm -hmm. that means grace is constantly in my heart uh-huh so it's just working its magic in there every time i do sins and stuff yeah <laughs> so i don't have to ask <laughs> for right. it because it's already always it's already there. there yeah okay yeah i mean that's yes and so there's this and the, and the disconnect there lies in the fact that if Jesus is grace, okay, so like if Jesus mm -hmm. is like the embodiment of grace, and I don't, like, and I am saying it's an attribute of his, but it's not all of who he is. Right. So, for example, in he John. He also has long hair and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Looks Jewish. Blue right. eyes. And... No, no blue eyes. <laughs> no. Um, so, but when, and so, yeah, so when, when Jesus is on this earth, obviously he so had those kind of So if the police were drawing him, they would just write grace. On the sketch paper, I guess according to the to these grace preachers, maybe. yeah, yeah. But I, I was gonna say he'd never get arrested, but <laughs> he totally did. <laughs> Even Jesus got arrested. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but I think that the the kind of the 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 core issue lies with the fact that, like, okay, John one sixteen, for example, okay, says that Jesus, or sorry, John one fourteen. Jesus came and had the fullness of grace and truth. Okay. In him. So he had grace and he had truth. And I and I and I think the danger is is that when you emphasize one aspect of God, like this one attribute of grace, anytime one attribute is emphasized over and above all the other attributes of God, that's when we find ourselves in error. Okay. And I think that's what's happened. And I don't think that they're intentionally trying to lead people, for example, away from truth or lead people into sin. But I think that's the natural consequence of what happens 
anytime there's an overemphasis on something. So for example, in legalism, it's an overemphasis on truth, on o- obeying all of the law. Right. Okay. And anytime we overemphasize any aspect of God or any aspect of the gospel, we end up in we end up in a in a form of error. Are there verses in the Bible that hyper grace people will look at to support their weird I don't understand it claims about grace. Okay. So Romans five twenty says the law came along to multiply the trespass. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. Okay. John one sixteen for So that one basically says if we have because we got more laws Obviously, people are going to be breaking more laws because more right. laws exist. So, so grace continued to multiply. Okay. Yeah. And and then, you know, John 1, 16, for from his fullness we have all received. So, we again, we have all received grace upon grace. Or they would say like superabundant grace or hyper grace. Okay. Um, and so... From his fullness, we've all received it. It's grace upon grace. And again, the idea is it's from him. There's nothing we earned. And again, this is these are all things we agree with. Um, in some ways, I feel like the quote-unquote grace preachers probably create an, a complete false argument that's not there. As if, for example, that all Christians, um, all Christians, again, for the most part, will say, yeah, we're saved by grace. Mm-hmm. Like None of us are arguing that fact. None of us are arguing the fact that law has been been fulfilled in Jesus. We are no longer under that law, but we're under grace. So yes, we are under grace. Like no one, like, I don't know really many Christians that are denying that fact. Mm-hmm. I think it's the interpretation of what that leads to. Or, and I don't know if it's even always the interpretation. It's just the extreme kind of push of it, right? So for example, in the in the in the hyper grace movement, if you want to call it that, or the in the theology of these grace preachers, you know, so grace is Jesus, all right, yeah, all right. Words before the words before the cross. So any of the words in Scripture before the cross about how we're supposed to relate to God or how we're supposed to act, whatever it may be, they do not matter. So they have no bearing on how we are to live now in the Bible. They just ripped out everything else before the first time cross is mentioned in one of the books. Well, they would say no, they didn't rip it out, but they would they would say that because you can go back and find Jesus in all of Scripture. Okay, and I agree with them. You can find Jesus in all of Scripture, but you also find the fuller story of Scripture. So yes, in in some ways, they they want you to read it through the lens of Jesus, which we should. But we should also read it for what it is. Like the creation story is the creation story. The stories of of Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and King David and Esther and Ruth and so on. Like those are actually they still have bearing mm-hmm. because it's one whole connected story. Remember, Jesus was never never coming to just do away mm-hmm. with all that the Jews had known from the time of Abram forward, right? So why would they say get rid of all that? The the grace? Yeah, why, the grace like, They would say that the, that the words, the, that the way that 
So everything that happened before the cross, so the covenants, put it that way. Okay. The covenants that occurred before the cross have no bearing on how we are to relate with God today. And even Jesus's own words are to be understood as being before the cross. So his words do not have bearing for us today either. Oh, okay. So how do you get from hyper grace to that? That is hyper grace. That is hyper grace. That's hyper grace. Okay. Yeah. Well, how? how and that's what I'm saying. That's where the extremes start happening. Okay. But how did we, how, what, what led to that extreme? Okay. What led them to go to that point? Yeah. I, I really think he, we talked about legalism last cut or a few episodes ago. Yeah. I really think it's probably like a reaction to legalism. Okay. Like in other words, we were being like, if you're raised in such a manner oh, where you're being so, told. So since all the law and all of the right. do this and don't do that is before cross time. Right. Then we're getting rid of all that. Correct. We're not getting rid of it, but yeah, like not paying yeah. attention yeah. to that as much. I even heard we... I even heard one grace preacher put it this way. He said, "I wish that none of my kids would have read the Old Testament." Okay, because in reading the Old Testament, they got a wrong view of who God is. Okay, because in hyper grace, God's always happy. He's happy God all the time. Right. And 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 that's a big part of them. Like he's always happy. So, like we talked about with legalism, this is hippie God. Yeah. So this okay. is like the opposite. This is like the hippie God. This who is cared, hippie right? God, and then all the hippie God people <laughs> were like, "We're going to be legalistic with our kids," and now we're basically back to hippie God. Yeah, I guess. Yes, I know, okay. in a way. Yeah, I don't understand hippie God. <laughs> he's it's, too happy. Yeah, and, I don't like it. Well, and it's. And and they will admit that he will be, for example, the Holy Spirit is grieved, and they will okay. admit that the Holy Spirit's grieved when when we do wrong, um, and but it it's but they don't want to they don't want to say that God's disappointed. They don't want to say God's ever mad. Okay. And I'm and I'm like, but no, that's just not true. Right. I mean, and not that he's not mad. He's uh, always mad. <laughs> He's, he's mad at injustice. He's, he's everything all the time. Yeah, he's right? yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's righteous anger in God, yeah. right? And so he's he is he he actually has righteous anger toward the injustices that are happening in this world. But if I only think of God as always mad, then I'm going to go to some pretty dark places. Dark places with that, yeah, because that's only one part of him. Right, it, Nate, you're just you're just yeah. you're just you're just growing up right before my eyes. <laughs> I mean, like, so, yeah, I mean, like, but that's kind of the point. Like, these extremes lead us to extreme places. Right. Because if I believe God's always happy, if I believe that repentance is not necessary in the traditional understanding of repentance. So the traditional understanding of repentance has been a repentance that comes from a grieving over the fact that I've sinned. Mm -hmm. and, and even feeling like guilt or um, shame conviction because i have sinned and they would say no 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 holy spirit doesn't convict holy spirit only comforts he only counsels you don't have to repent in that way that's not repentance repentance is just changing your mind so i don't have okay <laughs> yeah so, repentance so i don't is... have to tell anyone i do anything wrong under right. hyper grace right no right there's there's no need to ask for because i don't do anything wrong well you may do things wrong but it doesn't have any bearing 
So you're, the things you do wrong has no bearing on your relationship with God. It doesn't affect your relationship with God. Okay. Well, that's wrong. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just, yes. Yeah. And, and so because, because the extreme of it is right, because, and they're not wrong when they say that on the cross, Christ has paid for the, the penalty of sin, right? Mm-hmm. F- for present, past, and future. But he also says you have to admit that you did bad things and ask for, for grace for, constantly. There is a yeah, there is an there is an asking for forgiveness. I mean, because that's what the that's what taking communion is. Yeah. So do hyper grace teachers never make anyone take communion? Okay, so they would take communion, but understand. Like, so what they would say is, we are celebrating the finished work of the cross. So that's wrong too. It's it's an over realized. It's it's a little bit of an over realized like eschatology. Okay. In the sense, and I won't go down this road, but all <laughs> I'm saying is it's it's overreaching. It's basically like an overrealized eschatology says that there should be living in this new kingdom, no sin, no sickness, right, right et cetera, et cetera. And they're almost like living in that space. So you know? what do they do when they get sick? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it's it's how do we understand that, right? And yeah. Because if I'm never supposed to be sick, then what do I do with that fact that I get sick? Or what do I do with the fact that people get sick and they die? So now I'm sick, and but I didn't do anything wrong. Like, right. I did stuff wrong, but it's fine. So now there's, yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little, and I understand that we don't get sick just because we do things wrong, right? right. Sickness just happens because we live in a fallen world with fallen bodies, a broken world with broken bodies. I mean, we're going to phrase that. And that's where sickness comes from a lot. But but sickness, sickness does come from the fact that somebody did a sin at one point. Sure. I mean, if we're tracing it all the way back yeah. to the very beginning. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what led to our brokenness. Our sins are why we get sick. Technically, maybe. Yeah, I think I would not say this, directly. But, right, I would say yeah, but, yeah. The the fact that there is original sin. Yes. The fact that there is the sin has broke that sin has broken the perfection of of, right. of Earth and our own bodies. So under hyper grace teaching, me getting sick doesn't make any sense. You yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't be sick. You should never get sick. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and and so. And and in their messages as well, so you know, there's they emphasize there or they they do not want there to be an emphasis on obedience or following commands. They want there to be emphasis on grace. They do not want there to be an emphasis on sin, turning away from sin. They want there to be an emphasis on grace. But I need to know actually what sins are that I'm being. That I'm raced mean, for. Right. I need to actually understand the... the but you the, don't, though, because you have grace. <laughs> you have grace. You don't need to. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's... And, and then there's this eternal security built into it. So in other words, like once saved, always saved. Okay. So because I'm forgiven, okay, because I have an original point of repentance, I'm forgiven, 
and and they would say you're just receiving forgiveness. You're not going to ask for it. You just receive it. You just have it. You just yeah. You receive it because Christ has already forgiven. Christ has already forgiven everyone, everybody, who all times who gets saved. Okay, or no? That's what Scripture says. Yeah, they say it's no like that when he died on the cross. It's every like. Well, that's. That's completely not the the biblical the way of biblical, understanding. Yeah, so no no hyper grace people are saved then. I'm not gonna go that far. No, I'm not gonna say that. Okay. I mean, because I do think some of them are. I think some of them have faith in God. Some of them are believing that there is forgive like they're receiving forgiveness and and the reason they don't think you need to ask for it is because it's already there. You just receive it. But they, some of them will say, like Paul Ellis will say, for example, in his book, that well, you can, if it makes you feel better, you can ask for it, but you don't have to. You're already forgiven. But what would a hyper-grace person say to someone who isn't a Christian? They would just say, don't worry about okay. saying the prayer to accept Jesus because he already forgave you for everything. Don't worry about it. They would say, They would say, trust. So in other words... Do you trust in God? Do you oh, trust you that He's? Tr- you trust that, that Jesus died on the cross, right. rose from the grave? Do you trust that He is Lord? That He is God? <laughs> so, are you going to agree with me that you're fine? Yeah, <laughs> like so. so basically, if you, so if yes, yeah, so if you trust, okay, you're good. So there, there's there's this sense of not wanting to turn away from sin, just just turn to God. But like every one of us realize that no, when like when we're turning to God, we are turning away from something. And what we're turning right. away from is sin. And I mean, we try. What's that? We try. Yeah, we try. <laughs> well, but at least we're acknowledging that we are that, and that we need to, right? Okay. So, and like, so when I get saved, for example, there's an acknowledgement in my heart, in my life, of who Jesus is, yes, but also the fact that I have been in need of forgiveness, okay? Right. And, that's, and then... So then I ask for forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. Which right? is grace. I repent. And, and, and grace is there. Yeah. Okay. And, and all of that. And and then from that point on, it's continued grace. I don't argue that fact. But I do think that they're... But they're, you have to continually ask for it because you do sins. Yeah. And, and that's we, what they don't think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or they, they think, okay, you do things wrong. Come out of agreement with what you're doing wrong and just start mm-hmm. agreeing with the right things in God. Well, at least we at this table can agree that we're both sinners. Yeah. And saved. Right. Saved sinners. Yeah. And they would say the fact that we're labeling ourselves as sinners is a problem. Well, that's because they're sinners. (laughs) Well, I also think that we're in good company. Paul says, of Paul said, I'm the chief among all sinners. Sinners. Yeah. Cool. And so if, and so I think that we have to realize that like saying that we are sinners is not a, they would say that's, that is calling into question our new identity in Christ. So, so because they would say that they're not sinners anymore or they never were, they would, no, they would not use that term to identify themselves, but we're all sinners. We are. And they would say we were, we used to be, but we're not anymore. Okay. We're, we're children of God. We're sons of God, daughters of God. We are hidden in Christ. We are we abide in Christ. To say you're a sinner is to is to basically declare a false identity over yourself. 
Rather, we're new creations. We've been given a new heart. We well, you can have two identities. I, I yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's okay to say that I'm a son of God. That is my identity, right? And, and then also sinner, and that also I sin. No, therefore I am a sinner, <laughs> right? But and if I understand what they're, I understand. And again, some of the things I understand are what they're trying to say. Yeah, because if you were if you grew up in a fire and brimstone church, mm-hmm. all you were ever told was that you were a sinner. Yeah. That's all you were ever told. Mm-hmm. And so, all you ever did was sins. Right. right. And so this, the pendulum swing then is to not use that phrase, not use that terminology. Right. And to say, grace, 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 child of God, let's don't talk about sin. Let's don't talk about the need for obedience. And again, they would say obedience comes out of the fact that I have grace. The fact that I love God, I will obey him. But the reality is, there's a, I mean, Jesus is pretty clear, like, obey my commands. Yeah. Like, and, and, and even John, and, you know, in his letters, you know, first John, you know, second John are, is saying, hey, no, but this new command I give to you, like, love one another and obey my commands, follow my commands. And so obedience is not a bad word. But they, they, but it is when legalism does it. Correct. And so hyper grace preachers take the word obedience and says that's a bad word. That's a legalism type term or or at least a mixed gospel or a mixed grace gospel term. And so that's what's, not what's okay. mixed grace gospel. Okay. So hyper grace preachers, I'm getting this from and I'm and I'm so what I'm about to say here is directly from um, Dr. Paul Ellis's book. Who is a hyper grace? Who's person. a hyper grace? Okay. He'd be labeled a hyper grace okay. preacher. Okay. He, again, which is a slur in the Christian a, community. Yeah. And again, okay. he would say, I'm just a grace preacher. Okay. okay. But he would say, okay, but if you're going to label me that, I'll embrace it. I'm about, I'm all about grace. I'll be about hyper grace. I mean, as he refers to it, it's like grace on steroids. Okay. okay. So, but so the way that Paul Ellis talks about it is that there's these three categories of, um, gospels okay okay so there's the graceless gospel and legalism this is you're saved by works sanctified by works legalism yeah okay okay or at least extreme legalism right right so saved by works sanctified by works mixed grace gospel you're saved by grace but you're sanctified by your works and so there's legalism in that too. Because mm-hmm. you are, I mean, there are churches that it's like, all right, I'm saved by grace. And then the next thing you hear is, here's all the things you got to do now. But it, here's all the rules. Sanctified by works is backwards, right? What do you mean by backwards? Like, we talked about it whenever, but you're supposed to get sanctified through reading the Bible and stuff. Okay. And then, or or being a Christian longer, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what we well, talked about. You get sanctified as you, yeah, as yeah, you sanctification, keep growing in right. Christ or something, right? And they don't, and, and they, then the works follow, right? And they so reject, they reject the idea of sanctification being a process. Hyper grace people, mm-hmm. okay, all right. For them, sanctification is not a process. For them, sanctification is just like salvation that comes by grace. So you get all the way sanctified when you're saved. Yeah. Okay. Because, okay, so for the understanding 
Mixed Forever Grace. and always and before then. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least from that moment of salvation on. Okay. Okay. And so, in other words, the mixed grace, like we said, there's, you're saved by grace, but then sanctified by works. Hyper grace is saved by grace, sanctified by grace. And here's my frustration with the three categories that Ellis creates is because I all wrong. Well, I actually agree with his last one where he's labeling that as hyper grace. So in other words, where he says we're saved by grace and sanctified by grace. I completely agree with that. I completely agree. We're saved by grace and sanctified by grace. But those works that we talked about, right? Those that we are sanctified by grace, sanctification just being the process in which we are made more and more into the likeness and the image of Jesus. But he doesn't think that you're sanctified by a process. He thinks no. you're sanctified all at once. That's where you disagree? That's where I'm disagreeing. Okay. Because I believe that there is a... Okay, I think the, the most accurately, biblically correct way to, to phrase it is this. Okay. We are sanctified by grace... And we're being sanctified by grace. So I think that scripturally, we are sanctified in the sense of being set apart. Okay. We are set apart by grace in the moment we're saved. But we're also being sanctified. Okay. We're also being made and conformed into the image and the likeness of Jesus. Okay. And I think that's the process part that hyper-grace wants to discount, but that grace is still involved in that. I mean, so, for example, they would say, hey, once you're saved, you've got a brand new heart. All you're wanting to do is the things of Jesus. And I'm going, no. No. Like, no, there's still, John Wesley would say, there's these bits of sin left in us. Mm -hmm. And I think Wesley's absolutely correct. And so we need grace in our life to... (laughs) <laughs> to lead us, to empower us. Again, that's where they don't like this word empower. They feel like this, and the idea of grace empowering is grace. They feel like it's an empowering of us doing works. And what I'm saying is grace is empowering us, enabling us to follow Jesus. Okay. And as we do so, there's means of grace. Because And, and those means of grace are scripture and prayer and fellowship right. and worship together and confession that these are all means of grace communion because when we get grace for sins we get closer to jesus because of it yeah. which is more sanctified yes. i guess yeah okay. yeah absolutely all right yeah absolutely and so there's this so there is a process in us that are, is being transformed yeah. and again they would want to say no it's just a gift it's just given and and I would say, no, well, the Holy Spirit is it is a gift in the sense of it's grace that's active in my life, that is a gift that is active in my life, but that is also transforming me into the likeness of Jesus. Okay, so the 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 difference is that they don't think that that doing sins are bad because we're always forgiven for them anyway. Do they think sin is bad at all? <laughs> You know, all right. So you got the extra, all right. Because even within camps, you've got different extremes. Okay. All yeah. right. So there was one hyper grace preacher that said this I want you to go do the most grievous sin you can think of. Cool. 
so that then you can experience the abundant grace of God. Well, that's probably wrong. No, that's <laughs> that's like heresy kind of stuff, right? Because that's like le- literally leading people into sin. Don't ever tell me that. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> so you're... Don't have to worry about that. I, I won't. Because I'll think of the best thing ever. <laughs> I don't know if best is the right word. I mean... But I know. <laughs> so, so, and so like, then others in the camp would say, no, we're not saying sin's okay. Sin has consequences because it could harm yourself or harm others, mm-hmm. but it, it does not affect your relationship with God. And that's the tamest way of putting it. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Yes. And then you've got others in the camp, kind of that middle place mm-hmm. between that one and the extreme one of going, I mean, sin's not the best thing, but you are forgiven. So it'll be fine. It'll be all right. Okay. And so, and so the, so for the, for the more <laughs> calm version, if you want to put it that way of, Hey, sin does affect people. I think that's what has to be said. Mm-hmm. Sin affects people. Like we need to talk about See, the th- fact th- that feels like too obvious to me to ignore. Right. <laughs> like, like sin actually has. Like there's problems with sinning. Like the yeah. sin is like because when you sin, it, you know the the Greek word there for sin is to miss the mark. Right. So if it literally means to miss the mark, so I'm actually missing the mark with God. Right. I'm missing the mark in loving others. I'm missing the mark. In loving God. Uh-huh. And so I think the idea that we just need to stay away from preaching sin, we need to stay away from talking about sin. Let's not talk about sin, let's just talk about grace. Again, I feel like it's you're giving like half the gospel. Right. And they and, and they also don't want you to talk about hell. Oh, right, because fire and brimstone's on the other side. Right. Right. And yeah. so the, the way they would phrase that is that's mixing <laughs> Paul Ellis says this in his book, so I'm I'm quoting it from him. He says it's mixing good news with bad news. What? Yeah. And so in other words, if I tell people hell, that's bad news. So I don't need to tell people about hell when I talk about the gospel. Because that's mixing bad news and good news. How can the gospel be good news if there's no hell on the other side? Bingo. So you're just saying nothing. Right. And and their argument is, is that you don't want to scare people into the kingdom. Well, I kind of agree with that sometimes. Yeah. And I agree. We don't want to like scare people, but I think we have to be truthful. Right. Like being truthful is not being, um, shaming. It's not being like, the truth is, is that if I'm separated from God in this life, like those tracks that are, (laughs) those tracks that are 90%. Right. Just, just people burning, burning burning forever. Right. Okay, we don't want that. And then there's one picture of Jesus, but they don't want to show Jesus at the end. They just show a bunch of light coming right, out of something. Exactly. And then they're like, you're fine now. Like, <laughs> am I? <laughs> right. But I, I think in the gospel, I, I agree with them. We want to say, you know, right off the bat, hey, you are valuable to God. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, if I'm sharing the gospel with someone, I want them to know right off the bat, you're valuable to God. Like God created you. Because you were made with value. Okay. However, like me, we've done things wrong. We've said things wrong. We've thought things wrong. And it's left us separated 
from God, a God who's never done any of those things wrong. And if we're separated from God in this life, we will be separated from him in the next life. And so to say that, it's not wrong. It's mm. not scaring. It's just truthful. Because that's because the good news is then, but you're still so loved and you're still so valuable to God that he doesn't want that. So therefore, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to bear all of that punishment of sin on himself <laughs> so that you don't have to remain separated from him so that you can be with him. So, right. Yeah, I mean, so that's the good news. Yeah. But the good news loses all its meaning. Yeah. If there's no hell. If there's no hell. And if I, like, if I don't talk about hell or sin, when I share the gospel. Or Satan. Right. I, I mean, what am I, what yeah. am I really talking about? You know, I don't know, marshmallows and <laughs> right rays of sunshine right. and flowers yeah. and yeah, and uh, it just in other words hippies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so you know, I just think that there's a way to be able to express how valuable, how loved you are, in the midst of, and we've done things that have separated us from God. God doesn't want that for us because He still loves us and we're still valuable. That's why He sent Jesus, right? Like. Like, we're not downplaying his love at all. It's actually heightened his love. Because like, there's bad. Because there's bad. And because, we do bad. And he, and he didn't have to come. Right. But he did anyway. He chose. Right? And that's the epitome of love. Did God make him come or did he want to come? No, he chose. You said that it's the opposite, like hyper grace is the opposite of legalism. Right. I forgot to ask you this last time, but where did the term legalism come from? Yeah, well, it's just like it. we just talked about where hyper grace came from. Yeah, so legalism is just nothing more than coming from the idea of keeping law. Okay. Yeah. So, so legalists, therefore, are those who hold to the letter of the law. What What are Christian legalists holding to from the New Testament, or do they think that the Old Testament's more important? So it's, <laughs> and and this is where do I believe that. So, for example, Paul Ellis, Dr. Paul Ellis, when he stated the three categories, yeah. I, I don't think he's wrong in the observation that those three categories exist. What I would say is there's more than that, but I don't disagree with him when he says that there's this category that's a mixed, we call it, he calls it a mixed grace gospel. So you're saying that there are people who adhere to these things. Yeah. And so Correct. they should be categories of yeah you you can categorize stuff. them that way okay and now i don't think it's always as clean as he has put it with you yeah. know anytime you, you categorize things right in this such large generalities you're going to miss things do i believe that there is a group that says hey we want you to start you're, you're saved by grace mm -hmm. but now you got to do all these works yeah that's that's been going on since early church time right paul addresses that in galatians 3 when he says You've begun by the Spirit, but now all of a sudden you're going to try to run this race. The rest, of, like, you got saved, yeah. but now you're going to do everything else just by your own strength, or in other words, by doing works of the law. And Paul's going, this is, he, he actually calls them foolish. You're oh, foolish, right. you for, that, you're like, foolish yeah. for doing this. Yeah. And aren't you and, not supposed to say that word? Foolish. Doesn't the Bible say that we're not supposed to call each other that? a fool? Yeah. Or is that legalistic from right. the Old Testament? <laughs> no, it's not legalism, but it's it's also understanding context. Okay. Right. So if I if I'm call anyway, I won't get into all this. But <laughs> let me get back to your question. Yeah. Of, sorry. <laughs> let me get back to your question of 
of legalism and where does legalism come mm. like come from in the church? Like where is it manifested? Yeah. Where is it seen? Like who coined the term? Man, I don't know. That's a good. Now that's a good question. I, okay. I'd have to actually look that up. Who coined the term? Okay, like they're legalists, but or legalism. I I think that, is that derogatory too. Or would yeah would yeah it? it'd be derogatory, but okay. I'm not sure it's a wrong derogatory. Like it can be depending right. on who you're labeling as a legalist, right? Right. Okay. And so if so, for example, for the hyper grace preachers, probably anyone that's not at their extreme would be illegal. Like they would be in legalism. In their mind. It's okay to call them hyper grace teachers. Yeah. Because you're forgiven. <laughs> Don't worry about Don't it. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Lord have mercy. And so but yeah, I do believe there's a there's a faction in Christianity that's actually pretty large, if I'm being honest, that says, Come come to salvation by grace. Now that you're here, here's all the rules we need you to keep. Right. And that's and that's legalism at the core. That is what Ellis was talking about when he said, "Saved by grace, but sanctified through works." So hyper grace teachers would be like, "Come get saved by grace, and then here's all the rules that you don't need to keep." <laughs> They're not going to talk about rules at all, man. <laughs> They're like, like, but so for, for the so the laws or the rules that are are kind of being taught by the quote unquote legalist. Are the Old Testament laws? Well, if they if hyper grace people never want to mention hell, uh huh, then they're at least legalistic about saying that. That's they. In other words, they're making some very legalistic statements. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. You don't need to ask. For Got them. You don't need to ask for forgiveness. Right. You're just being legalistic about that. Right. But never say hell. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. <laughs> But you're forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so there is that teaching in the church that's that is really leaning on more of an Old Testament old. In my Old Testament, what we really mean is the Mosaic covenant or the covenant that God gave Moses and the Israelites that that where the law, the Ten Commandments, you know, the priests, so on and so forth, are found. I think that when we, so when we say Old Covenant or Old Testament, that's really what we're meaning oftentimes. Um, this Old Covenant that the Israelites were in with God during that time period with Moses. Some people call it the, you know, the covenant at Sinai. But so my, my point just being is if we're still holding to that, it's like that's true. All of that's true for us today. Mm -hmm. That's legalism. Yeah. Or if we're creating a lot of laws and traditions or if we're saying never read it ever, that's hyper grace. <laughs> it's kind of legalism. Right. But, you know, I'm starting to, I'm starting to catch on this right? stuff. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it, but isn't this what happens when you have extremes? Yeah. You just make fun of it the whole time. <laughs> well, but, all, but also in extremes, you've got the, you almost you, extremes. Yeah. And they, and they create exclusive truth claims. Right. Like extreme like all Christians have exclusive truth claims, but like right. when anytime you're into extremes, it's just like, I mean, all, I mean, like they, <sighs> it's so frustrating because it's like <laughs> even reading the book, like I'm trying to be empathetic toward the hyper grace preachers in some ways, trying to understand where they're coming from. Mm. And then when they make the statement that they're the only ones 
who are actually preaching grace correctly. And you're just like, oh, you know, it's frustrating. Um, or that is. Sounds like, sounds like you're saying someone's doing something wrong <laughs> by that's, not teaching it correctly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. That's not very grace of you. Not a lot of grace there, huh? Yeah. But again, yeah. Again, extreme. Extremes. <laughs> extremes. So I don't understand this. When I was doing research, uh-huh. obviously I'm making fun of it a lot. So. <laughs> right so it you obviously were not a fan of it it's not computing to me okay but i understand how i watched that shiny happy people okay documentary Uh about legalism man right yeah yeah gothard yeah with the cape Uh uh-huh and and in that documentary he basically like told people a bunch of wrong stuff in the mm-hmm. beginning, mm-hmm. and then those people, because of the way the wrong stuff is presented to you mm-hmm. and what it means for you as a person, okay, all those wrong people who thought legalistically went back to their own churches and turned everyone into legalistic people, okay, and that's how that spread. Right. This hyper grace thing, I don't understand how anybody believes this because if i don't need to do anything right Right. then but why would i care yeah but i think it's kind of the freedom of it right yeah but there's too much freedom yeah but i mean think about it if now i'm being told if i'm going to take this to the logical extreme right it's too much freedom yeah i'm just not going to come to church i'm not going to pay tithes sure or my taxes or rent, or <laughs> or stay faithful to my wife. Why right. would I do all this? Because I can just get grace. Yeah. So everything's terrible. How does how does this how does this spread beyond? It goes to one group of people, and then they all leave the church, and that church doesn't exist anymore. Because legalism, yeah. if it when it spreads to people, right? They're like, oh crap, we got to go to church all the time, um, right? So. How does the idea perpetuate when the extreme right. of the idea sure. is I can do whatever I want and it's fine? Yeah. Well, I I think I'll, I'll I'll make I think there's two different things going on. Okay. Okay. One is all right. I am accepted in God because that's a big teaching of theirs, and it's a good teaching in the sense of we are accepted in Christ. Okay. We are loved. We are accepted. Okay. That's not a wrong teaching. And so, but the things they, and again, because what I'm saying is most of where I see the error is the fact they overemphasize things and then they just never talk about or so heavily underemphasize other things. There's not a balance anymore. And, and so, but what I'm saying is in church. So if I didn't have to, if I'm going to church and I'm not learning any ways to be better as a person and everything I do is fine, why am I coming? I think, okay, I think the draw is this, like you're, you're coming in and you're hearing teaching, preaching about this is your amazing identity in God. This is how Uh, much he loves you. So they're just telling me I'm an awesome the whole time. Yeah. Like you are, Okay. you, you, I mean, I don't need that. I know. (laughs) Right. I mean, like, come on. And so, but they're, all right. So this is how much God loves you. This is your identity. All right. That's the emphasis. 
in in their teachings. Okay. And so I and so I can understand why that would be attractive to people to come and hear. I want to be affirmed in the fact that God loves me. I want to be affirmed in my identity in him. And there also is this sense of there's also this sense of like this new revelation. In other words, oh, all these poor souls have been blinded for so long under legalism. By legalism, okay. Or by what they would label a mixed grace gospel. Mm. Now, here's the real revelation. That nothing you do is wrong ever. <laughs> and again, they're not going to state it that way. Right, but that's what they're saying, essentially. And they're not, well, they're not going to say that it's not wrong. They're just saying it has no bearing or impact on you and your eternal security once you're saved. But doesn't that lead to it's it's fine then? I think that yeah, I think the natural consequence of it is that is that you think it's okay. You think anyway. I can go do whatever I want to do. Yeah, it's wrong, but it's okay if I do it. Right. It's okay if I divorce my wife and go marry this other person. Because there's grace. There's your forgiveness. Right. right? And and I, I think, uh, yeah, I, so I do, and I know that's kind of an extreme example, but I do think that's where it naturally leads to. Right. There's a, I mean, the, in, in these certain camps as well, the amount of drunkenness and stuff that's found is pretty heavy. It seems like mega churches would go to this or leads to this. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because, I mean, like, okay, think about doesn't this doesn't your message have to get, like, more accepting of of right. sins as you get bigger. Yeah. Okay. Well, think of it this way: like, if you like listening to Joel Osteen. No, I won't. Okay. Okay. I don't blame you for that. <laughs> but that's his his thing. I'm never going to teach on sin. I'm going to teach on, hey, God loves you. Hey, these are the things that you know you can do to have a better life. Mm-hmm. And. But he's, but you know, so, but, but we're, we'll stay away from sin. I'm not your judge, right? Right. I'm not there just to talk about sin. I mean, just talk about God's, God's love. You know, the, in, in Osteen's own, own words, there's enough negativity in this world. I'm here to bring positivity. You know, I mean, that's, that's his thing, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it is, it's gross. But my point is, yes, there are some mega churches that have embraced at least a form of this. Yeah. By saying, Let's just talk about God's love and God's grace. I don't feel like they grace. explicitly say that they're doing it, but right, it kind of seems like that's where you get to. Correct. And when everything's feel good, yeah. And, stuff. and I do think again, this is where pendulum swings from one extreme to the other is always dangerous. Right. I do believe that there needed to be a correction in the sense of we do need to know God's heart for us, that God so deeply loves us. After Bill Gothard legalism, right? Movement. Okay. We do need to know. That we have an identity in Christ, that we have an inheritance in Christ, mm-hmm. that we are considered sons or daughters of God. Like all of these things, I think, are really important to know. And, you know, that, and so I, I do think that's important, but that can't be all that I hear. Right. Because now I'm just getting part of the gospel. You need some fire and some brimstone sometimes. <laughs> What I need is truth. Okay. I need to be I need people to be truthful with me. And grace. And grace. Okay. Right. That's that's what I'm getting to. Like <laughs> I can't just have all grace, 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 grace. Right. In the way they're in the way they're handling it. 
truth and grace have to, that's why Jesus says when he came, he was truth and grace together, right? Okay. He was the fulfillment of both of those things together because grace does say God loves you. God's, God's love is unconditional. You know, all of that. We have an identity in him. That's all good. So the truth is you're a piece of shit. The grace <laughs> the is you're okay now. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, the truth doesn't just say, here's the wrong that you did. So that just say that. Right. I mean, truth is. It also says you do some good things sometimes. Right. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> truth is telling me that faith without works is dead. Right. Truth is telling me that when I read, <laughs> when I read Revelation and the way Jesus is writing to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, and, and Jesus is saying, I know your works. And like five out of the seven churches, he's saying, I know your works and you need to repent. Here are the things you're doing wrong. Mm. You need to repent. If you repent, here's, here is what you will inherit. Here's what you will receive. The grace that you the grace, get. right. Okay. And so truth, truth is telling me all of that. Right. Not just telling me. Oh. Truth is not truth is telling me every part of it. Right. Not just a singular part. Okay. Because legalism is just part of truth. Right. That we are that 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 you know, because legalism that we have to that, do works. Right. And it's that's part of truth. Other but works. but works without but you know, same thing with faith without works is dead, works without faith is dead. Works without love is dead, right? I mean because I'm putting faith in my works, not in God. Yeah. In legalism. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, and Paul even says, right, in the very beginning of First Corinthians thirteen, you know, you know, you prophesy, but you don't have love, profits you nothing. You give all that you have, yeah. profits you nothing. If you don't have love, you die <laughs> for it. You didn't have love, profits you nothing. Okay. So so works alone is not enough. It's not okay. And faith alone does save us, but then if there's no evidence of that faith. If there's no evidence of works, and by works I just mean the living out, the 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 loving, mm. the caring for others. If that's not evident, again something's wrong. And you know, again for me, I've quoted this passage before. I'll quote it again in Galatians five, verse thirteen. He says. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. And I believe that's the that's the biggest thing. It's like, if we're not careful, we'll have this freedom and grace to just go do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. But that's not loving toward ourselves or toward others. And we there, that's where Paul is saying, you cannot just use this opportunity to just indulge whatever, you know, sinful desire you want to follow right that's not okay no rather you've got to love one another and, and then paul goes on to say because the whole law was fulfilled in one statement love your neighbor as yourself and so paul's very clear like you like this is what you have to do like love one another but love one another looks like something and i think that's where the truth is needed like we need to actually know what love is, how it's defined in scripture mm. and, and what it looks like. What does it, how does it manifest itself? And I think if we just, all we're telling people is God loves you, God's got grace for you, but 
we don't define those things really well. Like to define grace just as, well, Jesus' grace, that's a lazy definition. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, okay, there is grace. Yes, grace is an attribute of Jesus. Yes, love is an attribute of Jesus. So is truth. So is justice, right? And so I think we, Scripture, the beauty of Scripture is that it gives us definition for these terms we're trying to use. And it helps us to go, this is what it looks like to walk like Jesus. This is what it looks like to be like Jesus. And, and so, and there's, we don't have to run away from terms like obedience or works. They're not scary terms, bad terms, mm. you know, that's, they're, they're just terms. Hey, if I, I love you, like if I love my wife, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to follow parameters and boundaries that exist in my marriage and do works. Yeah. And do works. Cause I love her. Mm -hmm. Even if I don't feel like washing those dishes, I'll wash those dishes. Thanks. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I think that's enough for this time. We're going to have, I have way more questions about this because I don't understand it. Okay. And it doesn't make sense to me. Why would I come to church if I don't need to, if, if I didn't need you to tell me what I needed to do better with myself, then why would I come to church if everything I do is fine Okay. and I'm covered by it? Okay. Even if I like it wouldn't I wouldn't need to ask you all these line questions because it'd be like, well, who cares? Who cares? I'm covered. Right. I don't need to know. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we can all right. So we'll we can address that in the next episode yeah. too. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't get this one. <laughs> I gotcha. I'm a I I have legalistic framework in my brain. <laughs> okay. And it's not ever leaving. <laughs> well, I hope it does leave at some point. <laughs> it won't ever leave. It's, I'm still gonna have that that that's gonna be your bent legalism all bent right. all the time okay anyway this has been the winner of this podcast you can find the podcast on everywhere that you find podcasts mm -hmm. um like subscribe share download follow go to patreon five dollars um joseph that was fun it was something yeah well, well, well whatever hopefully <laughs> 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 yeah, hopefully it was fun and a yeah. little educational too. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Sure. Okay. It's always fun and educational. That's what we do. Which is a hard line to follow. Yeah. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nate Robinson, and you can follow Joseph on Instagram at Rev Joe T. This has been the winner of this podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.